Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Music of the River City. This is your host, Chris Gooden, and I'm so glad you chose to join me in this podcast celebrating the music and musicians of Vicksburg, Mississippi. This episode features an interview with singer, songwriter, and guitarist Ralph Miller. Ralph is one of those musicians that seems to be everywhere in Vicksburg. Restaurants, parties, weddings, the farmer's market, you name it. There are plenty of opportunities to hear Ralph in his chill acoustic style, but you've probably never heard his story until today's episode. Ralph and I recorded this interview on March 22nd, right in the middle of the 2020 coronavirus lockdown, and we chose to do the interview using a video chat rather than meeting in person. But that didn't stop us from having a great conversation, and there are some really interesting tidbits in today's episode, including when Ralph reveals his songwriting inspiration, a moment you don't want to miss. But first, since this is the inaugural episode of Music of the River City, I want to briefly introduce myself and talk about what you can expect in this and future episodes. I'm a Vicksburg native and a lifelong musician. Music is my hobby and my passion. And as I've performed in Vicksburg over the years, I've run into a lot of really interesting, really talented people. I started this podcast because I wanted an excuse to talk with people who share my enthusiasm and passion for music and give you a chance to join the conversation. So as you listen to this and future episodes, please keep in mind that I would love to hear from you with your questions, comments, and suggestions. You can reach me at musicoftherivercity at yahoo.com. That's all lowercase, all one word, musicoftherivercity at yahoo.com. If I get enough questions, I'd love to do a mailbag episode. I'll answer your questions about music, Vicksburg, whatever. I'm not saying I'll answer them well, but sometimes a bad answer is more entertaining than a good answer, so send in your questions. Also, if you or someone you know would like to be featured on the show, let me know at musicoftherivercity at yahoo.com. All right, we're almost ready to dive into my conversation with Ralph Miller, but first I want to introduce what will be a recurring segment on the show called Music I Love and I Think You'll Love Too. The title of this segment is pretty self-explanatory. I'm just going to talk about music I love. There's really no other criteria. Unfortunately, I can't actually play you the music I'm talking about today because that would cost me a lot of money. But I encourage you to look it up wherever you get your music. Up next, music I love and I think you'll love too, followed by my interview with Ralph Miller. On this segment of Music I Love and I Think You'll Love Too, I'll be talking about one of my all-time favorite albums, Stardust by Willie Nelson. Released in 1978, this is one of the best albums of all time by just about any measure. Ranked by Rolling Stone magazine as one of the top 500 albums ever, it spent 10 years on the country charts, over 5 million copies sold, acclaimed by critics and fans alike. This Grammy-winning album is a milestone in 20th century American music. But the story of how this album ever came to exist brings together an incredible mix of musical genres and characters that is just as unique as the music itself. For context, imagine if Chris Stapleton decided to follow up Traveler with an album of covers of Madonna and New Kids on the Block songs. It sounds crazy, and it's not a perfect analogy, but it's the closest comparison I could come up with for what Willie Nelson did in 1978 with his Stardust album. A little background for listeners who may not be country music buffs. By 1972, after 15 years of trying to make it as a country artist, Willie Nelson left Nashville for Austin, Texas. By that time, Willie was already well known as one of the best songwriters in Nashville, 
having written all-time classics like Hello Walls, Crazy, and Funny How Time Slips Away. But he never caught on as a solo artist. Discouraged, he left RCA and producer Chet Atkins, moved to Austin, and eventually signed with Columbia. One of Willie's main conditions in signing with Columbia was that he be granted full artistic control over all musical decisions. At that time, Willie wasn't well known as an artist, and it didn't seem like much of a concession on Columbia's part. But Willie hit on something magical when, instead of the studio musicians and polished arrangements he had used at RCA, he took his road band into the studio and recorded the Red-Headed Stranger album. The album was a huge success, helping popularize the subgenre that would become known as Outlaw Country and making Willie a big star in the process. So, how did he follow up on his breakthrough success? Well, this is where my analogy to Chris Stapleton recording an album of New Kids on the Block covers comes in. A certain subset of pop songs from the 1930s and 40s have become known as standards in the American musical lexicon. In 2020, it's become old hat to record an album of standards. Everyone from Lady Gaga to Rod Stewart has put out a standards album. But in 1977, no one was really covering these songs yet. They just weren't old enough at that time to be considered cool. But these were the songs that Willie Nelson grew up listening to. And this is where the story gets even more interesting. Pop standards from the 30s and 40s are typically rooted in jazz harmonies. Although Willie and his band were great musicians, they weren't really jazz musicians. And Willie needed to take these jazz-based songs and arrange them in a way that fit his musical style. It was around this time that Willie happened to run into Booker T. Jones while he was running on the beach near his home in Malibu. I won't dive off into a discussion on Booker T. Jones right now, but what's relevant for this story is that he was a multi-instrumentalist who played on many of the most famous soul records of all time while at Stax in Memphis. After moving to California, Booker T. Jones was in constant demand as a studio musician, producer, and arranger. After their chance meeting on the beach, Willie and Booker started jamming together and discovered they had a shared love of the old standards. So Willie asked Booker to do an arrangement of Moonlight in Vermont. Willie was pleased with the results, and Booker eventually arranged all ten songs on the Stardust album, played piano and organ on several songs, and produced the album. The result is one of the most musically arresting, beautiful, and unique albums ever recorded. The lyrically sophisticated standards take on an intimate, immediate feeling when performed by Willie and his band that the original, polished, jazzy recordings of these songs never achieved. Amazingly, Columbia didn't want to promote Stardust and initially only pressed 500 copies. The standard explanation is that because Stardust was such a radical departure from the Red-Headed Stranger album, Columbia was worried it would alienate Willie's audience and didn't think it would sell. But as Booker T. Jones recounts in his autobiography, the real reason Columbia didn't want to promote the album may have been because in 1977, Stardust was the first country album to be produced by a black man. Both explanations may be true, but either way, Willie and Booker eventually won over the Columbia execs and Stardust went on to be one of the best-selling country albums of all time. The most famous song from this album is Willie's version of Georgia On My Mind, which won him a Grammy in 1979. But all ten songs are beautifully played and arranged. If you like country music or pop standards from the 30s and 40s, this is a must-listen album. If you don't like country music or pop standards, this album is still a must-listen because it doesn't sound like country, jazz, pop, or quite like anything else you've ever heard. One more fun fact about the Stardust album, Meridian Mississippi native Chris Etheridge, who had a long career as a touring and session musician, played bass on the album. So there's an extra connection for Mississippians. 
I love the album Stardust by Willie Nelson, and I think you'll love it too. Check it out. Welcome to my conversation with Vicksburg musician Ralph Miller. Ralph, thank you for being on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, so so the first thing I'll, I'll say to our audience is that we are practicing social distancing. I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but we're in the midst of, of the 2020 coronavirus quarantine. And so Ralph and I are doing this conversation over the web. We're doing a video chat. So if you experience any little audio glitches, that's going to be the reason why. As part of that, Ralph, I just wanted to start the conversation off with saying that uh, Ralph did something pretty unique last night with doing a, uh, a live stream musical performance on uh, on Facebook as a result of a canceled gig. And I thought that went pretty well. It was pretty cool. I'm going to give you a chance to hear a song from that here in a minute. But Ralph, you want to tell me kind of what made you decide to, to go that route? Well, we're dealing with this coronavirus and it's still part of how I make my living. So yeah, it's had to try to find another way to go about it. Yeah. That's one of the first times I've, I've actually got to hear you play, although I have seen you briefly at different places around town. For, uh, for our listeners and for me, how did, you, uh, how did you get started as a musician? People that don't know, Ralph is a singer, a guitar player. How did you, you get started? Well, actually, uh, music runs in my family, in my okay. extended family. You start as a kid learning the guitar and singing? Well, actually, I was singing before I played uh, guitar, singing the school choir, yeah. college choir. I didn't take up the guitar actually till I was nineteen. Um, where did where did you go to school? Um, one of the schools here in, in town. Yeah, I graduated from uh, Vicksburg High School, nineteen eighty four. Then I went to Hines Community College. Okay, and was that pretty much your first experience with performing music and everything in the Vicksburg Choir? Yes, it was. Is there anything interesting from your experiences uh, doing that that kind of helped you build your passion for music? Well, nothing in particular. I'm just like any style of music, and it's just it started out as a hobby first. I never dreamed I'd be uh, doing it as a living. So, is is playing music? Which is that your is that your day job and your night job, or is you, have you have something else that you do? Yes, it is. I'm playing music all the time. Okay, that's really cool. I noticed last night that you do uh, you do a, a pretty wide variety of different songs, but you do you do a good bit of singer songwriter kind of stuff from the '70s, James Taylor, and that you did one of his songs. Uh, is that the sort of music that you kind of grab, gravitate towards? Yes, it is. Uh, I just enjoy the acoustic guitar and some yeah. of the uh, cool songs that came out of that air. Yeah, and some '60s. So when you when you took up uh, learning the guitar. Did, how did you approach that? Did you have a teacher? Did you just on your own start learning? Or, uh, you know, how did you get into playing the guitar? Well, I'm self-taught. Okay. I took it from a book. Okay. Uh, which book? <laughs> the Complete Guitar Player by Russ Shipton. Gotcha. I, I'm uh, also a self-taught guitar player, but I started out of uh, Mel Bay. Was there people along the way that you you know guitar players that you knew uh, as you were learning that that could kind of help you with different things or you just totally uh, in isolation taught you taught yourself on your own well I, I used to watch my older brothers and uh my cousins play mm -hmm. um i was just basically uh on my own when i learned how I, gotcha. isolation and at, at what point along the way and i think for for any of our listeners who are 
you know, I, w I, I would call it like bedroom guitarist, you know, I mean, and most people start out that way. You're alone in your bedroom, you're learning the C chord, the F chord, D chord and all that. At some point along the way, you said, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this for an audience. What, how long was it before you kind of took that step of saying, hey, people, people got to hear me sing, play these songs? Well, actually, it was my second year. Okay. I was sitting in the dorm room uh, playing my guitar. And uh, these other guys that had this band mm -hmm. came along and uh, they want they heard me sing too, and so they asked me to join their band. And okay. We did one talent contest. Okay. This was at Heinz. Yes. And do you remember the name of that band or anything about it? We were called uh, Eruption. Eruption was that after the Van Halen song? Yes, because uh, uh, the lead guitarist. Uh, he plays a really good. He plays real good. Uh, mm -hmm. He plays production real well. I got you. So y'all were doing that kind of music, like classic rock, what's now called classic rock kind of stuff. Yes, we were. Okay. So you play mostly acoustic now, right? Were you playing some electric at that time? I was, but uh, as I was really uh, developing my style, I found out that the uh, acoustic guitar was more suited for me. So do you do you ever play with like a band or a group anymore or are you just completely solo? I mean, I've been in a couple of bands since, but uh, yeah. for the most part, I'm solo. So you I mean, you're more free to kind of do your own thing that way, I know, and uh, and uh, just kind of follow your own creative vision, right? Yes, uh, it's less of a hassle. So you say you were you started out in this band, Eruption, and, and uh, presumably mostly doing covers. Is that right? Yep. While doing covers, yeah. How long? So, so you started off the the set last night with uh, with an original Autumn Leaves falling, which I'm going to play in just a minute, and which was really good, by the way. And I kind of had it stuck in my head when I woke up this morning. So um, that was that's a nice song. At what point did you start writing your own uh, music? Well, I got serious about it in uh, 2005. Okay, so pretty good long time that you were playing and singing and performing before you really started writing your own material then. Yes. And what was it that kind of pushed you into doing that? Was it something you always wanted to do and sort of said, hey, I'm going to do this? Or did it just kind of come to you one day, hey, I got an idea for a song? How did that work for you? I mean, I've always wanted to do songwriting, but uh, mm -hmm. I was just having problems phrasing my words together. Mm -hmm. And then finally, uh, it just happened. Just kind of clicked with you? Yes. Okay. Did you, um, do you ever write with like a partner or is everything just completely... Your comes out of your head and 100% Ralph. Right now, it's just 100% me. So tell me about, just briefly, sort of connect the dots for me to how you got from playing in this band with the dorm mates in college to this being your career. Well, uh, I started, uh, I was working at McRae's, McRae's at the time. Okay. Uh, was doing that and uh, just started uh, pursuing gigs in the Jackson area. When you say McCrae's, you're talking about the McCrae's at Pemberton, the McCrae's at Metro Center? Well, I, I was living in Jackson at the time, so I worked okay. at both Metro Center and uh, Meadowbrook. And so you started pursuing gigs, and you ended up working, you know, enough that you thought, hey, I, I can quit this job at McCrae's and do this full time? Yes, that's how it happened. Roughly what year was that that you dropped the day job and went to a full-time musician? Do you remember? It was uh, 2003. So you worked, you, you did a day job for for a little while there, correct? Yes, I did. Yeah. Uh, do, do you ever miss that, or are you, you happy with what you're doing now? It's a, kind of a trick question. I think I know the answer to that. 
Well, I'm uh, I'm completely happy and satisfied with uh, what I'm doing now. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. Just hope this virus passes quickly. So let me ask you a kind of a specific question. I noticed on the live stream last night that you had what sounded like a string section accompanying you as you played your acoustic guitar. How did you achieve that? Is that something you record ahead of time, or where's that sound coming from? Well, actually, uh, it's called the uh, Mel 9, short for Mellotron, Mellotron pedal. Okay. I just use it when uh, I want to accompany uh, my guitar playing. Okay, so does it sort of automatically pick up on what you're playing and then put strings in? It automatically. I can get nine instrument sounds out of it. So uh, I'm usually used to playing with a flute black background. I see. Okay. Is that what that sound was last night? It was a flute? Yes. To me, it sounded like strings, but I knew it was, it was something besides a guitar, but it, that's pretty cool. It definitely filled out the sound a little bit. You know, just gave you a little kind of vibe. So you said you started playing gigs in Jackson. What was, um, what was some of the first gigs that you played after you left, you know, the bands that you have been in? What was the first time that you really kind of hit on the formula that you use now of just you and the guitar kind of doing the acoustic music? Well, the first gig I played was, uh, it was in 1990. Okay. It's Shucker's Oyster Bar. Okay. Not the one out, not the one out on the reservoir. Uh, it used to be one in Midtown Jackson. And uh, do you remember much about that? I mean, how, do you remember, like, how it went or how you felt at the end or anything like that? Well, actually, uh, it went real well. Mm -hmm. my, my family were there to see yeah. me. I ended up getting a gig out of it, a Christmas party. Okay. I was just trying to talk restaurants and bars back then. Uh, it never occurred to me then that people would hire me for private parties, but uh, it did mm -hmm. happen. Yeah, that's cool. So, so you did that gig. You got you got a Christmas gig, and and then just kind of snowballed from there. One thing led to another. Pretty much, is that how it went? Yes, it did. What percentage of would you say now of your work? I mean, I know I've seen you at the Levy Street Marketplace before, right? I've seen you at Second Saturday. What percentage of your work would you say is stuff like that versus restaurants versus like private events, private parties, and stuff like that? Well, they're all even about the same. Do you ever play, do you still play in Jackson at all? Or are you pretty much exclusively focused on Big Spur? Well, mainly right now, mostly uh, I play South Mississippi, mm -hmm. the Delta, parts of Louisiana. Okay, so you, you do a good bit of traveling around to play. Yes, I do. So do you have, since you've been doing this now for what, over 10 years, I guess, of just you, have you sort of built up a group of repeat customers or fans that, that come back to you over the course of a year? Or is it pretty much one-offs, new, uh, new people every time? Well, actually, um, I have a pretty good uh, loyal following. So how do, you, um, you know, how do you sort of approach building up that, making those connections with fans and everything? Well, right now, for the most part, uh, my videos uh, that I have online uh, right. can be working for me. And I would say that is the that's sort of the modern way to, to connect with uh, to connect with fans is to put out videos and definitely right now it's it's really all they can do. I know that uh, like for example my church right now is doing live stream, you know worship service on Sunday morning and it's you know it's it's different but it's all we can do so we're doing it, and it's nice to be able to have the technology to do that. Speaking of which, uh, mm -hmm. I do some uh, doing some Sunday morning gospel into okay working it in. I got you. Sunday and Wednesdays. Just on, on the live stream? Yes. 
um, what kind of songs do you do in your gospel set? Well, considering everything that's going on now, I'm just trying to do songs of uh, inspiration. Did you ever sing like in church growing up or like church choir or any, anything like that? Yes, I did. If you don't mind me asking, like, uh, which church did you go to growing up? Do you remember where some of the places you sang? Greater Mount Zion Baptist. Okay. What was it? What was the music that you listened to as a kid that really sort of inspired you to get into music in the first place? Well, I liked everything from the uh, Beatles to uh, Bob Dylan. Okay. It's mainly 60s rock and folk. And yeah, I noticed you did several Dylan songs last night. I mean, it's, it, it's really suited for the kind of your style. Are there any current artists or like more recent artists from today that you're kind of into that you will incorporate into your gigs? Uh, I like a lot of uh, Chris Isaac. Do you have any uh, anything in particular big planned coming up? I know that you're probably got some things in, in particular that you're doing because of this coronavirus. Um, you want to talk about any of that? Yeah, basically right now I'm just uh, performing uh, my 60s and 70s. I perform uh, every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Mm -hmm. A gospel I'm performing on Sundays and uh, Wednesdays. Okay, and that's all live stream? Yes, it is, for the time being. So what I want to do right now, uh, we've, we've done a lot of talking. I want to take a quick break and, and play one of Ralph's original songs, one that he did last night called Autumn Leaves Falling. I'm going to play it, Ralph, and then I want you to just kind of talk about, you know, how, how you came up with it. It's got, uh, it's got a nice metaphor in there about, uh, you know, this relationship and the autumn leaves. But uh, first I'm going to play the song, let everybody listen to it, and then, um, and then I'd love for you to kind of talk about how you – approached writing it, where the inspiration came from, that kind of thing. All right, so here we go, Ralph's original song, Autumn Leaves Fall. Autumn leaves falling, autumn leaves falling, burying summertime today. beautiful and uh, really interesting song. Ralph, can you tell us when did you write this song and kind of what was going through your mind when you when you came up uh, with this with this tune? Well, I wrote it in 2005. It was kind of based on one of my 60s British groups, uh, Chad and Jeremy. Well, they did a song called uh, A Summer Song. Mm -hmm. And it was just from that song that um, I got the influence to write Autumn Leaves Falling. It sounds like it kind of starts on like this minor key sort of thing. You know, was that, a, was that an intentional thing on your part in, in terms of trying to set a mood or were you, did that just kind of how it came out? Well, it was intentional because uh, one of my styles of playing, uh, 
I like a lot of uh, Dale Shannon. Most of his songs, uh, he wrote in minor keys. And, I see. So I've just always kind of followed that pattern. And last night you played a couple of other originals that you did. You mentioned one was inspired by a TV show. You want to talk about yes. that one? Yes, uh, it was an episode of the Waldens that uh, I got the idea for this song. The name of the song is? To See You Go. I'm sure there are a lot of fans of the Waltons out there. Do you remember which episode that inspired you? Well, it was the particular episode. Uh, John Boy was saying goodbye to a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. He, one of the last things he said to her was, uh, as, it, as it breaks your heart to leave me, uh, it's breaking mine much more to see you go. Right. And that's pretty much word for word to where the hook from the song came from, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty neat. So, so if you had to give a tip to aspiring songwriters out there, you would say watch more TV? Well, <laughs> just watch TV, read. Uh, yeah. If it's, if it's something that sticks with you. I know a, a lot of songwriters I've known keep uh, like a little pad of paper and a pen with them at all times. And they just, because they, if they hear something like that, that sort of sticks out to them, a phrase or a sentence or anything like that, they'll, they'll always be jotting it down. Is that something you do or you just kind of keep them up in your head? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's what I do sometimes. Uh, I even keep pen and paper when I'm driving. Uh -oh. If an idea comes to me, uh, I'll pull over to the side of the road and I'll write it down and then just, uh, continue with it when I get home. Gotcha. Okay. I, was, I thought you were about to say, I just put my pen and paper up on the steering wheel and write it while I'm driving. So I'm glad to hear. No, I, I definitely pull over first. Okay. <laughs> I'm glad to hear. That's uh, keeping our roads safe out there. Then I also get my ideas from uh, some soap operas and some uh, Lifetime movies. Okay. Are you a fan of that kind of stuff? Yes, I am. Because uh, uh, some of the lines that'll stick out in a yep. movie or soap, uh, I write them down and then uh, try to create a song from that. That's pretty cool. I have to say, I've never heard anybody uh, else that uh, that uses soaps as a, as a songwriting inspiration. You're the first, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I won't ask you which one. I won't ask you which ones you follow, unless you want to volunteer that for our listeners. Well, I like the Young and the Restless and uh, the Bold and the Beautiful. My uh, my great grandmother was a big fan of Days of Our Lives. If you ever went over to her house at a certain time. I don't remember. It was like what, maybe ten in the morning or something like that. That was what was going to be. That was going to what was going to be on at her house. She never wrote a song about it though. Um, was she music? Uh, no, no, she wasn't. But but this was. Uh, but her son, my my grandfather, uh, was a musician and a songwriter, and uh, and you know a lot of people in my family are musicians. So she she spawned a lot of musicians. Although she never really she sang in a church choir. I will say that. So she was a musician to that to that extent. Well, it was just like my father. Uh, mm -hmm. He loved a lot of music, but uh, he wasn't a musician. So did you, growing up, you, you said your father, you know, loved music. Was there usually like music playing at your house growing up and that kind of thing? The stuff that, the kind of stuff that you're, that he liked? All the time. Yeah. What kind of stuff did he listen to? Oh, he liked everything from uh, country to blues. Do you ever work any country songs into your sets now? I do some, uh, but I like a lot of old classic country. Yeah, definitely. Anything in particular? Well, some uh, Johnny Cash, uh, yeah. Hank Williams. And my mom, on the other hand, uh, mm -hmm. she's in the church choir. Okay. And uh, she, she'd sing around the house all the time uh, when she was doing some work. 
So would your mom sing just like the, the songs that, that they were working on in the choir that week? What kind of stuff would she sing while she was doing her housework? Well, it would be just about anything, but, but she mostly uh, stuck to singing gospel. You know, I can hear a little bit in your, in your playing and your singing now. I can hear a little bit of that gospel influence. Yeah. So, Ralph, I've, I've definitely enjoyed talking to you, having you on the show. Enjoyed listening to your uh, live stream last night. I'm hoping that the live streams will get replaced by real uh, performances before too long. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, this has been a good conversation. And uh, for our listeners out there, Ralph Miller, Vicksburg, or really central Mississippi, Louisiana, South Mississippi, Delta, musician, uh, songwriter, singer, guitar player. Check him out on, on Facebook for his live stream. Ralph, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate your time, and I look forward to talking to you again again. Thank you. I appreciate it. God bless. All right, you too, Ralph. Thank you. Thanks for listening to my interview with Ralph Miller. I really enjoyed talking to Ralph, hearing his story and his approach to songwriting, and I hope you enjoyed it too. We'll be back with another episode in a few days. Please like and subscribe to Music of the River City so you can be automatically updated when new episodes come out. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please tell a friend and share us on social media. If you have questions, comments, or know someone who would like to be featured on the show, send me an email at musicoftherivercity at yahoo.com. That's all one word, musicoftherivercity at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening to Music of the River City.